You're listening to a sermon podcast for a time like this from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Just a brief word to introduce our preacher for this evening. Andrew Cron has been doing an internship with St. Benedict's Table this year, uh, something made possible through our grant from the Collegeville Institute's Communities of Calling initiative. It's not quite the internship that we might have all expected because we have not yet begun to gather again, but he's been really active behind the scenes in his work, um, as well as online. So people who are accustomed to joining us for evening prayer, for instance, will instantly recognize Andrew. For those who tend to only connect with us via podcasts, I thought it would be important to give some context to this voice. So Andrew, welcome. Thank you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. What is a Mennonite doing preaching on the first Sunday of Lent in an Anglican church, you may be asking yourself. I certainly asked myself this question this week. My experience with the season of Lent to date has been much like my experience with the ocean. I've dipped my toes in and even dared to swim briefly in the waves before my prairie senses came crashing back to me and I hurried to shore. Until this week, I had participated in two Ash Wednesday services and I had led them both never quite certain if I was doing it right. And I've made attempts at Lenten fasts before, but they were little more than delayed New Year's resolutions, and they lasted about as long. But I'm eager, keen, even thirsty to learn from this season. So, if Lent seems a foreign land to you, then I'm excited to have a fellow inexperienced traveler together with me. And if you find yourself quite accustomed with the landscape of Lent, if you find it to be, well, if not comfortable, at least familiar and expected, then I'm rather pleased to be in the company of experienced guides. Our gospel reading comes to us in the typical rush of the Markan account. In six sentences, we cover Jesus' baptism, the heavens being torn open, and the voice of God blessing Jesus as the Spirit alights on him like a dove. Also, there are Jesus' trials in the wilderness, the arrest of John, and the opening of Jesus' ministry. Now, if the gospel writer seems to be in a rush, we might be tempted to rush onward too, abandoning these terse words for what appears to be fuller, richer, and deeper fare. Let's not. Let's linger, at least a little. The biblical scholar, Morna D. Hooker, notes that the account of Jesus' baptism points us right from the beginning of Mark's account toward Jesus' crucifixion. 
The Gospel of Mark makes clear this connection in chapter 10, when James and John ask Jesus to sit at his right and left hands. When he comes into glory, Jesus responds, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? You see, Christ's ultimate baptism is his death. The connection is further made with the words spoken over Jesus at his baptism. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. These are echoed again at the transfiguration when Elijah and Moses join Jesus, Peter, James, and John on a mountaintop. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And they're echoed once more, finally, at the moment of Jesus' death this time in the words of the centurion. Truly, this man was God's son. So both the imagery of baptism and the words spoken over Jesus link this scene with the crucifixion scene. Then, with Jesus' death firmly foreshadowed, Mark turns us quickly toward the wilderness, using his favorite word, immediately, and the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. There's some irony about rushing out toward the wilderness. It's not like there's much to do there. If we assume, as the Matthew account indicates, that Jesus is fasting the whole time, he won't be very busy. He's not bare grills, crafting animal snares, and hunting for cockroaches. And if we compare... Matthew's account has much milder language. There it says Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. But in Mark, it happens immediately. Jesus is driven by the Spirit. I doubt there are many of us who would rush into a wilderness experience. But I expect that there are more than a few who can identify with being forced into one, driven, as it were. The global pandemic we are now in is a curious sort of wilderness. On the one hand, it's the opposite of wild. We've sterilized everything. We've returned to plastic packaging with a vengeance in efforts to keep what's inside clean and virus-free. And a wilderness seems to be made for wandering, but we're all doing our very best to stay at home. I hope that most of us listening here are not facing a deprivation of food, though this pandemic has inflicted economic hardship, and I expect we have not heard all there is to hear about how it has affected the poor. Indeed, some of us may have even turned to food as a comfort in this time. But there is something very wild about the virus, isn't there? We can't see it. It moves in secret like a sly predator. It's altogether untamed. At least it is for the majority of the world waiting for a vaccine. And the isolation we're experiencing is certainly wilderness-like. There's a lot less to do 
certainly if your notion of doing usually includes being together with other people. Outside of our household and perhaps two friends, a mask and a six-foot buffer exists between us and everyone else. Necessary as it may be, there is real deprivation in play here. We can't embrace one another, or shake hands, or high-five, or break bread together at our dinner tables, or here at the Eucharist table. So what does it mean to observe Lent this year? Some of us are loath to let any comforts go when much has already been taken away. And for some, taking on a new thing, a new practice or devotion, feels overwhelming. Our emotional capacities may already be overextended by this vast, strange wilderness we find ourselves in. It feels as if we've moved from Advent straight to Lent, like some Narnian winter. Always winter, and never Christmas. We've had enough of the wilderness, and Lent has only just begun. But, as in the Exodus, when God traveled with his people in the desert, so too Christ is driven alongside us into this wilderness. And as God provided manna for his people, we are fed by the body of Christ, even if it's in our own homes and apart from one another. We don't observe Lent because we're so miserable and wretched that we could never see God unless we do some proper penance beforehand. We observe Lent because God entered the wilderness long before us and we are chasing after, hoping, expecting to meet God there, to meet Jesus there, God with us. And look, already those Advent texts from Isaiah that we are familiar with are being fulfilled in Jesus. A way for us is being paved in the desert with Jesus leading the way. He is with the wild beasts, but they do not attack or maim. See, the kingdom of God is near at hand. So repent and believe. Try as I might to think otherwise, deep down, I've been convinced that the work of both repentance and belief is up to me. That if I am to turn to reorient myself toward Christ, toward the cross, and the resurrection, but we'll get to that in good time at Easter, that I must do it on my own, fueled perhaps by some powerful belief, a powerful faith. If faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains, surely I can muster up faith enough to turn myself, right? After all, religion is private. My faith is personal, not public. That's the glory of modernity. 
But Jesus' words here, repent and believe, they aren't singular, they are plural. You can't hear it in English, but in Greek, it's quite plain. Now, I suppose Jesus could be saying you, all of you, all you individual isolated monads, repent and believe in the good news and do it on your own. But I don't think he is. What if I repented? What if, what if I turned toward the good news, toward the kingdom of God, not out of personal gumption, stick to blood, sweat, and tears, but because I belonged to a group of people who all repented together, all turned together, a group of people who believed together, whose faith, far from rejecting those who are struggling, supports and uplifts those who have little, who are poor in spirit, a group of people whose faith collectively carries one another as they move toward the hope of the kingdom of God. Call this group the church. Call it the body of Christ, who are led and guided by Jesus, not by our own blood, sweat, and tears, but by his. So if you come to Lent this year already overwhelmed by the wilderness, without strength enough to give something up or take something up, don't. Instead, allow yourself to be taken up by your fellow wanderers in the wilderness. Let the faith and velocity of the church around you carry you. Find ways to be together even if we can't be together in person. And I know we're all Zoom fatigued, but we have been able to communicate with one another long before the internet arrived. Call each other, write, pray together. Join us at evening prayer on Facebook at 5 p.m. on weekdays. Go to the St. Ben's website and find the Fast and Feasts link and learn how you can participate in what the church is doing together. And if you find yourself already buoyed up, already carried with energy to do, by all means, don't keep it to yourself. Reach out in faith, hope, and love to others around you especially those who may be feeling without the capacity to reach out on their own. And let's repent together. Let's turn together. Let's turn toward Christ. Let's turn with Christ. I think we'll find that the wilderness is not as empty as it seems. There's food enough to be sated with Jesus leading and feeding us. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church, including further resources during these days of the COVID-19 global pandemic, or to provide support for our online work, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. Thanks for listening.